All right, I'm just going to pray for Tad this morning before he gets started. Lord, we just thank you so much for Tad. We just pray for him as he's uh, got us all back today. But we thank you that he's still here to give us uh, give us your message, Lord. We just pray that uh, you just open our ears and hearts to uh, whatever it is, Lord, that you're going to speak to us this morning. And we just pray that you just use Tad as a mouthpiece. Amen. Right. I'm sitting down because I went to a reunion yesterday and I must have stood probably in one spot without moving too much for about two hours. When I got home, I thought, my lower back is killing me. So, I thought, I might sit and scandalise everyone. <laughs> Something different. Anyway, I want us to look at one of the parables of Jesus. The one in Matthew um, 20, verses 1 to 16. Uh, it's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Some call it the parable of the grumbling workers. Because they did work in the vineyard, but they grumbled. Now, if you know anything about parables, Jesus usually gave them, and there was quite often a sting in the tail. It was a lovely parable, and then there was this twist towards the end. Uh, this is one of those. Now it starts off like this, I'll read it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. That word for is referring back to something that happened in the previous chapter. And we'll get to that and find out why he gave this parable to illustrate a point from the previous chapter. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the labourers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, which would be about nine o'clock our time, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. No amount is mentioned there. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, which would be 12 o'clock and three o'clock, our time, and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, which would be about five o'clock, one hour before closing, he went out and found others standing idle and he said to them why have you been standing here idle all day and they said to him because no one hired us he said to them you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right you will receive so when evening had come the owner of the vineyard said to his steward call the laborers and give them their wages beginning with the last to the first. There's a little twist. 
And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, 5 o'clock, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And they likewise received a denarius. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who had borne the burden of the day, or the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree for a denarius? Take what's yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? That's an idiom they used in those days. The evil eye was an envious eye, someone who viewed things from an envious perspective. So, the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, many who listened to this parable would identify with the story. It was their lived experience. People used to gather in the marketplace to get a job or to be employed in some sort of work. It would be their lived experience because the Romans took over Israel and they put a taxation system upon them that was very onerous. And the people, many of them, may have had vineyards once, but because of the taxation and everything, they probably had to sell out to someone who could afford the taxation. So they lost them. So for their lived experience, they'd be working in their own vineyards that they once owned. Now you've got a monopoly on, you know, the vineyards with some people. So what kind of worker was the owner looking for? He was looking for day laborers. They were the ones that worked part of the day, well, hopefully the whole day, but that's all they got. They weren't permanent. They didn't get any benefits. They just got work and hopefully a whole day's work. They were poor people, mostly unskilled, hoping for a day's work to feed their family. They were at the bottom tier of society. They could be taken advantage of. They had no union to advocate for them. They had no, they belonged to no association or guild that could bargain for them. They were at the mercy of whoever was offering them work. Now, when you read the parable, you find there's two needs in the parable. There was the need of the owner for workers. He had to get his product in or else it could go bad. And there were the day laborers and they needed wages for their families. Their need was greater. Now the agreed wage was one denarius 
for a day's work. And that was a good amount. A skilled worker would be happy to receive a denarius for a day's work, and these were not skilled. Roman soldiers received a denarius per day, maybe a little more, and they were risking their lives, but they were well paid. Day laborers normally would not get that amount. I'm sure there was no haggling. They didn't say, now hang on, at six o'clock, there's the fellow with the strawberries over there. Can you hang on with that offer? I'll go and check with him whether he's offering more. I don't think that happened at all. There wasn't any haggling. We'll take it. This is hitting the, the big time, getting good wages. Now, that was for the initial workers. But then he went out four more times for more workers. But in those times, no wage is mentioned. Only what I think is fair. Now, who would he have picked at the beginning? The first pick would have been the strongest, the youngest, the ones who could work the fastest. He would have picked the best of the bunch. He took them into the vineyard, but then three hours later, he came again. And this time, he picked the ones that were left, that were not so good, but he took the best of the leftovers. And then he came back at 12 o'clock and at 3 o'clock and he picked the best of the leftover best and so on. So in the 11th hour he went out again and there's a bunch still standing around around 5 o'clock, one hour before closing. And he asked them, what are you standing around for? And they said, we haven't got any work. No one gave us work. Now, so he says, all right, I'll take you. You go into the vineyard and I'll pay you what I think is fair. Now, who were these that were left? The leftovers. They were possibly the old, the disabled, the sick, or the infirm. If they were sick or infirm, they couldn't wait at home for someone to send them a food parcel. If they didn't work, they'd be on a permanent diet. If they were infirm, no social security people would come over to check on them. They were more or less standing around because they needed the work. And so even if they only got one day's, uh, one hour's work, they'd be happy. Why didn't they go home? Maybe they were ashamed that they went out again, they were left out, missed out, and then got nothing. And sorry, family, we won't be having chicken tonight. I didn't get any work. So, they would have been most grateful to get one hour's work. Now the wages. And this is the employed and the annoyed.
This is the thing in the tale in this parable. If he paid those employed early first, there wouldn't be an issue. They would have left, the ones that were first employed, they would have left before the last were paid. And so they wouldn't know what they got paid. You know, the early birds would have taken their worm and gone home. So there would be no problem. But this was deliberate because the owner detected something. There's an attitude that needs to be addressed, an expectation to be challenged. The last didn't expect much, but at least they expected something, even if it was only an hour. They wouldn't go home empty-handed, but the early workers, they were watching what the late ones received. And they got one denarius for one hour. Now, I said that the early workers, or the workers generally, were poor, but they weren't stupid. And they could count. They had ten fingers, and they had sandals, and they could count their toes as well. And they made a calculation. If one hour produces one denarius, we've been here 12 hours. We should get a motto. But they expected more, but were given the same amount, one denarius, and they weren't happy. Up to that point, they were quite happy. When they first got the job, oops, 12 hours work, great, and one denarius. Happy all day until. What changed? Outwardly, nothing, but inwardly, something changed. What at first seemed a generous amount didn't seem so now. Inwardly, an expectation grew and grew to an entitlement and they made comparisons. And when you make comparisons, you usually favour yourself. And so they felt that they were entitled to more. And there was a response by some. The latecomers, they had no complaints. They just skipped home thinking, not only chicken tonight, but chicken for the rest of the week. They were happy. But the first ones, they grumbled. It's not fair. This could upset the labour market. When people find out what happened here, nobody will turn up at six o'clock. They'll all turn up at five and there'll be a line from here to the next town waiting for work for one hour. It's just not fair. The reason they give is that one particularly. It's not fair to us. We worked all day and got the same as those who worked one hour. We expected more. And what irked them, them was each was treated equally. And it's the equality the lack of distinction, which was so offensive to them. Well, what does the owner say? 
He says, when they complain, it's my money. Can't I do what I want? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Are you envious that I'm generous? That's what that's evil eyes about. Are you displeased with the success of another? Now, it's been said that vandalism is worse than stealing. Stealing says, I want what you have and I'm taking it for myself. Vandalism says, I don't like that I don't have what you have and if I can't have it, you can't have it either. I'll vandalize it. You rob others of their joy because you can't share in it. It's not only that the first felt they deserved more, it's that the others didn't deserve as much. They didn't deserve what they got. You can't make them equal with us who worked harder and deserve more. We work longer in the hot sun. It's more or less not I don't deserve as much as you, but you don't deserve as much as me. So why did the owner pay this way? Why the last first and the first last? Well, the answer is in the previous chapter, and that kind of answers will unlock the parable. If you remember, the parables were given quite often in answer to questions. Um, in one of the parables that Jesus gave, the Good Samaritan, it was given in answer to a question that was asked. Uh, a religious lawyer asked him about eternal life. How can you get eternal life? And Jesus says, what's your reading of the commandments? And the lawyer wanted to show off his skill, and he knew. He said, love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. If he knew, why did he ask? But he had to show off, because that's what lawyers do. They love words. And he wants to have a discussion. And Jesus says, you're right. Go and do it, and you'll be all right. But he, wanting to justify himself, he always had to get another word in. He said, but who is my neighbor? That's the question. What did Jesus do? didn't discuss it with him. He gave him a parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Another one. Peter asked, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother when he wrongs me? Would seven times be enough? And the Lord said, not seven times seventy or whatever, whichever way they interpret that. But then he gives him a parable of the unforgiving servant. You remember the servant who was forgiven a million dollars by the king? He couldn't pay him and he begged him for mercy and the king felt compassion and forgave him. He said, all right, we'll wipe the debt. There was no way he was going to pay back. And what does the servant do? He goes out and grabs one of his fellow servants who owns him a dollar and drags him off to the magistrate to put him in jail until he pays. So what was the parable? The unforgiving servant for the question. So what is the question asked in this section or answer this parable? What is the answer that this parable gives to a question that was asked? Well, it's in the previous chapter. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll comment on it. Just make some comments. 
and it's in chapter 19, verse 16. A young man, rich, comes running to Jesus and he says, What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you'll notice, he didn't mention the, the vertical commandments, love God with all your heart and mind, first few. He just mentioned the ones that are on the horizontal, which is between people. These ones, you can measure whether you're keeping them or not. The ones between God and you, the horizontal, no one knows if you do or don't except God. But these, you can kind of discern. If you had a, like if this fellow had a, a starving beggar at the front of his door and he didn't give him anything, it's obvious that he's not keeping the commandments. So they're all the horizontal ones, easy to measure. But this guy, he mustn't have been very reflective. Because he said, oh, all those? I've kept them since my youth. What do I still lack? I mean, those ones, you know, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I used to keep them. So what do I lack? And Jesus goes right to the heart of the problem. He's not going to debate him on the keeping of them. He just goes straight to his heart. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven. Well, when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had the possessions and he didn't want to make a choice between possessions and eternal life. He decided that the possessions were more important. He didn't want fire in the sky when he died. He wanted fish and chips on the ground while he was around. But if he could get the eternal life and add it to his pile of possessions, he'd be quite happy to do that. But Jesus said, now for you, you've got a heart that is covetous. Therefore, sell that. And he went away sorrowful. Now, the disciples were listening to all this and they had some questions. And he said, just to emphasize the point, assuredly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now when the disciples heard that, they were greatly astonished, saying, what can, who then can be saved? That's one question. Because their understanding was, and it was prevalent at the time, that if you were rich, God blessed you. Unless you were a tax collector, maybe a Pharisee too. But otherwise, you were blessed if you were rich. And here's the Lord saying, no way. It's very hard, almost nigh impossible for a rich man to enter heaven. And when they heard that, they were astonished. That upended their, their theology. And they said, who then can be saved? So, that's one question. 
and he looked at them, Jesus did, and he said, with men it's impossible, you won't save yourself, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter answers to the rest of them another question. But we've given up everything. What do we get for it? What do we get in return for what we've done? So he's got two questions. And Jesus said, listen, he could have actually rebuked him a little because he's putting it out as a very commercial thing. What do we get after what we've done? We've done that. It sounds a bit like the workers, you know. We worked hard, we deserve more. And we've done this, what do we get? And Jesus said, look, you won't miss out. God's gracious, he knows, he's more than fair. And you will get certain things specifically to them. And then he says, and everyone who has left houses, everything precious that you have left for my name's sake, you shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So, the end of that chapter finishes with the end being the last and the first, and is bookended by the other one which finishes the same way, the first and the last. this was in response to Peter's question so we go back to the vineyard owner why does the owner do what he does if the owner had paid them what they deserve the workers, all of them if he had paid them what they deserve would any of them have received what they got as I said, this was a good wage. So maybe none of them would have got what they got. He didn't pay them what they deserved, but what they needed. It wasn't on the merit, it wasn't on the deserving, it wasn't what they did. He paid them out of his grace. And that's what the parable was about. And it kind of references back to Peter too. It wasn't that you gave up certain things, it's my grace that gives you whatever you get. So, he paid them what they needed, not out of the merit that they feel that they deserve, but because of his grace. Because this parable is about the kingdom of heaven. It's not about the earthly kingdom. Merit doesn't play a part in the kingdom of heaven and deserving doesn't play a big part there. What matters in the kingdom of heaven, the currency of the kingdom of heaven, is God's grace. It's all grace. And grace is unmerited favor that's given freely. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's being said, justice is getting what you deserve. If those workers wanted justice, 
they may not have even got what they got. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. I'll just finish with this little quote. God doesn't owe us salvation for something we have done. He gives us salvation despite everything we have done. And God's grace extends to us unearned and it's freely given and the last can be first because God will dispense his grace as he sees fit, not as we measure what how the grace should be dispensed. God does it in his own way. And that's what the parable is basically about. I'll finish today. I'll just finish in prayer. Father, we marvel at the grace that you extend to us. And we're the recipients of so much grace. We pray that we may be able to uh, extend that grace to other people that we may consider less deserving, but especially that we may extend grace to those that we know and live in that way. Amen.